Our name's the legacy I'll never outlive, but in time I'll find a way to forgive. Brother, I'll take your hand. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast. The Lovewell Institute for the Creative Arts is an arts education not-for-profit where students from around the world have been conceiving, writing, and performing original full-length musicals since 1989. It's December, Lovewell community. That means winter break is nearly upon us, and the new year is knocking on our door. But before we answer, we've got gifts galore here at Lovewell HQ, and we hope to share them with each and every one of you. And no, I'm not Dr. Seuss. Tonight, we've got a new episode in our Lovewell Rewind series, where we take a look back at musicals from the Lovewell Vault with interviews from original creators and the complete audio of the show. Tonight's musical is Our American Brothers, a new musical, written by the students and staff of Lovewell Fort Lauderdale Teen Session 2 back in 2016. Here's the official synopsis of that show. It's 1865, and the U.S. is struggling to unite. Revisiting a defining moment in history, Our American Brothers, a new musical, tells the story of men and women attempting to understand their place in a nation torn apart by violence and war. Remember, this show was completely written by the students that you'll hear performing it. With the help of their staff, they brainstormed every plot point came up with every melody, wrote every scene, and choreographed every dance. Our American Brothers was a powerful creative experience. The large group of young artists and their staff set out to tackle a mind-numbingly challenging show idea, a historical depiction of the events leading up to the assassination of President Lincoln and the aftermath that followed from the perspective of the various families involved in the incident. Musically, each song was more outstanding than the last, with some of our best choreography and some of the deepest and most intricate character work I've ever seen in one of our shows. Viewed largely through an unyielding feminist lens, the plot plays out like your favorite paperback thriller, but on stage with stunning design elements and a healthy dose of Shakespeare to boot. Our American Brothers immediately felt like a show that had been worked on and developed for years, making the fact that it was only done in three weeks all the more remarkable. The show was written during a time of great political turmoil in our country. And of course, it was written about a time of an eerily similar great political turmoil in our country. We can only hope that the message of this show still helps us through these hard times by remembering that there are better angels in all of us. Our two guests this evening are seasoned Lovewell veterans, near and dear to all of our hearts. We couldn't all be in the same room, so we'll be utilizing our traditional zigzag interview format. Be sure you stick around for intermission tonight. We have tons of important announcements to share with you. Now, please make sure your seatbelts are fastened, because otherwise this interview will knock you right on the floor. We are thrilled to welcome Gianna Malici and Sam Kelly Cohen to the show for the very first time. All 
right, Sam, Gianna, welcome to Listen Well. It's great to have you both. Hi, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so happy to be on this podcast. Hey, Tyler. Thank you so, so much for having me. It is the biggest honor ever to be sharing this podcast with you and Gianna. Truly a dream come true. Hi, Sam Keiko. Gianna, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to these days? What have I been doing these days? Um, Well, I am currently working on my third project here at the Playwrights Horizons Theater School at NYU Tisch. Um, I've been working on projects outside of my curriculum and also focusing on school, Um, just trying to get a lot of work done, trying to be an adult in New York City, um, which is a very challenging thing to do. and I can't complain. It's been beautifully wonderful, so challenging in, in the best way possible. Um, and I'm excited for the holidays. Yeah, I did that whole adult in New York thing for a very long time, and it's exhausting. But I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Sam, same question. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to these days. How's college treating you? So I'm currently in my first semester of college up in Boston at Berkeley College of Music. I absolutely love it here. I feel like I'm learning and growing every single day, which is incredible. I'm getting to work with some of the most talented young musicians in the entire world, and it's truly amazing. I'm, I'm very blessed. A couple months ago, I just released my debut EP called Take One. That's been my passion project for the past couple of years, so now it's nice to have it out in the open, and I'm really grateful for the positive response that it's received. And now I'm working on something called Daily Upload December, where I upload a new video onto my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash samkeiko, every single day during the month of December. And I'm doing this so I can get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. And it's a little wild and I'm only drowning a little bit, but (laughs) I'm going to keep going strong, so hopefully we can hit a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. Um, But besides all that, I'm I'm just chilling and uh, I'm, I'm adjusting to becoming an adult. And I highly encourage you all to listen to Sam's EP whenever you have the chance. It's awesome. My first question for both of you, uh, it does apply to both of you. This is a question we ask everybody who sits down with us here at Lovewell HQ. Can you walk us through your history as a Lovewellite? Uh, Tell us how you first heard about Lovewell. Uh, What was your first show? Give us that history. Student, staff, hopefully future staff for you, Sam. Walk us through that whole picture. And uh, Gianna, why don't you go first? So I heard about Lovewell uh, from a man who you might have heard of. His name is Tyler Grimes. Uh, Tyler was my drama teacher at Somerset Academy, and he introduced me to Lovewell. Um, Our American Brothers was my first Lovewell show at the age of 17, so I I started a little bit late. Um, Session two of summer 2016 was actually my, my first summer. Um, and only my one of two summers as a student. Um, And then the following summer, um, I did under 18th Street, and then the summer after that, which was this past summer, I was at Lovell for both sessions as an intern uh, for the juniors, which were both absolutely rewarding and incredible experiences. So that's my history at Lovell. 
Well, I'm very glad that I was able to introduce you to Lovewell because you were always meant to be here with us. And, you know, no shame about being a, in the two-timer club for students because I only got to do two shows as a student as well. Uh, Sam, same question. Walk us through your history as a Lovewell light. An amazing person named Marcus Davis introduced me to Lovewell. He was choreographing a show I was in when I was a freshman in high school and he told me to come join Lovewell, and so I did. I started Lovewell in 2015, playing King Logan in the Emblem of Iridessa. That was a fun one. Next summer, I was in the all-acclaimed Our American Brothers, which was undoubtedly one of the greatest three weeks of my life. In 2017, I took the journey to Sweden, and I was a part of Everglow, and this past summer, I played a man named Danger Dan in Axel Falls. Fun fact about Danger Dan, my alternate choice for that character's name was, was Gryler Times, and I, I put it in Tyler's hands to choose which one, and he ended up going with Danger. Well, Sam, that's because whenever I'm given the choice, I always choose Danger. Gianna, we've talked about how Our American Brothers was your first Lovewell experience. Can you think back to those three weeks and Tell us a little bit about how you think that experience shaped your artistic philosophy. What were some of the lessons you learned that you still carry with you today? Before my first session of Lovewell, I never even thought about my artistic philosophy or um, who I wanted to be as an artist or what I wanted to do. Um, and Lovewell introduced me to that path that absolutely shaped um, my shapes my education now and I, I came in to college um, being able to already answer those questions and be able to build upon them because I think a lot of the times um, growing up um, everything that's thrown at you is, everything about skills like can you can you read can you write can you act can you sing can you dance um and there's not a lot of questioning about how do you work with others how can you create with others how like how what what stories do you want to tell what do you want to do for the people around you and for the people around you on a global scale i think those questions and the process of love well um, helped me not only understand what working with other people is, but also what do I want to say as a person? And I think that's something that we don't even get taught most of the time in schools or in our everyday life you know a lot of that is usually glossed over and i believe that pieces of theater and art that impacts our society in a successful way derives from having a strong sense of not only your artistic philosophy but your collaborative philosophy and how you conduct yourself in a room and also just learning 
how to have fun and remembering that everything that we do is fun, no matter how much hard work we're putting in. And I don't think without Love Well, I would have gotten to where I am today. And I don't think I would be in the school that I am today doing the things that I do um, in theater without Love Well. Thank you for that, Gianna. Sam, we're going to shift things up a little bit here. Uh, can you talk to us about the process of writing Our American Brothers? Uh, specifically, maybe talk to us about the brainstorming process behind that show, because it was a big group of people. And that brainstorming process was a little unorthodox, if I recall. So to the best of your ability, walk us through what that was like. Well, Tyler, I'll tell you. At the time, I had only one experience brainstorming before this, and that was with about 20 kids in the Emblem of Iridesa. So the Brothers Circle had maybe 50 people altogether, probably more. So there were a lot of ideas floating around. I don't really have any memories of the first day, but I believe it was day two where Gianna and Carlo were sitting next to each other in the circle, and one of them at first, and they pitched the idea of telling the story of the Lincoln assassination from the people's perspective. And the other pitched the idea that the perspective was that of the Booth family. And right after that, it was just, it was like gold spewing out of their mouths. But surprisingly enough, there were actually a lot of people that weren't in that same camp, and they wanted to tell a story set in the Wild West, in which time was a physical object. So very different places, but eventually the Booth story had more research, more excited energy from the cast, and and frankly, more ideas for the story that, that it ended up being that story that we told. It's amazing how those ideas shift and evolve so quickly during that first week. And while I'm sure the Wild West Time musical would have been wonderful for that group of teens to write, I'm glad that we didn't because that let the junior students write Sands of Time the year after that, which is still one of my all-time favorite level junior shows. Gianna, can you identify some of the themes in the show Our American Brothers and how they might have or might not have resonated with you? Talk to us about some of the ones that stand out to you. A theme in Our American Brothers that resonates with me uh, comes from the song Justified. It was uh, the Pied Piper song in the beginning of the show, and it talked about what it what it means to be a hero and what it means to be a villain and it kind of analyzes our our way of classifying characters and and people um and i think that the show overall um doesn't really put people into these categories into these stereotypes it kind of just tells the story for what it is um and just gives you the full picture and lets you um, decide and, and empathize with the events and the causes of the events rather than picking a side. And I think that's something that we need to do more in our everyday life is not shove people to two different sides, but understand why people do the things that they do. Um, and that was a theme that strongly resonated with me um in the show yeah this show just lives in and celebrates the the gray areas 
in, in life, right? The, the characters and the relationships they have with each other, it mirrors the relationships we have with each other in real life. And we really, I thought, did a great job in this show of bringing out the perils of looking at it either one way or the other. There has to be this negotiation between the two of them. So I'm glad that that theme rang true to you. Sam, can you talk to us about the songwriting process, okay? What were the, the big songwriting process memories that stood out to you? I, I know some that stood out for me that involved you, but I want to hear from you. Uh, what was that songwriting process for the show like? Sure. Well, week two is when you start to find the puzzle pieces, but you still don't know what the final picture is going to look like. I remember writing some great songs in the first couple of days with the opening sequence, Don't Forget About John, and uh, the Brother Confrontation song. I loved all of these songs. However, selfishly, I was having a little trouble seeing where I fit in with the show. And so one morning, Tyler comes up to me and he says, can you write a folk song uh, as like a memoriam to Abe? And I was skeptical because I've never written a folk song before, but of course I was like, yeah, sure, that's great. Uh, and so a few of us went into the dressing room and came up with Abe as a Babe or Ode to Abe, if, if it is more commonly known as. And Tyler, let me tell you, emotions were flying in that room. I almost feel strange trying to expose it and, and put such an indescribable feeling into words. I got a certain energy that day that I've never felt in my entire life because the, the creative juices that were flowing in this very small group of people, we wrote a melody that still gives me chills thinking about it, and it helped contribute to the overall theme of the show. I feel like now I have a once-in-a-lifetime connection to those who were in the room when Ode to Abe, or Abe is a Babe. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just such an incredible experience, an amazing writing session. Another amazing writing session we had, I can recall, is when we were trying to write the finale. We were sitting upstairs trying to figure out what the finale even was, or what it should be, or what would do justice to the show. And because we were so invested in the rest of the show, it was really difficult. We were all very specific and picky for what we wanted this to sound like. And so we were all getting a little frustrated because we've been there for a while. And I suggested something to party. And he told me that's not exactly what we're looking for. And it's hard to hear because when you're creating, it's so personal. And, and you're putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and... And when your idea doesn't work, it sucks for a second, but you, you just have to trust that it's for the good of the process and, and for the good of the show. And so I was a little frustrated at that time just because me nor anybody else in that room could figure out what it needed to be. So I took a little break. I just, I just walked outside of the room for a little bit. I'm trying to let my head clear and really nothing. I'm, I'm still pretty frustrated. And so maybe 15 minutes later, I walk back in and almost the moment that the door closes, it hits me. I, I suggested the bridge melody from Abe the Babe. The moving forward, never backward. That one. I suggested it to reappear in the finale with a different context and with this beautiful four-part harmony sung by the whole cast in solidarity. And Party and Ryan was really funny. I suggested it, and then Party and Ryan stood there for a second, and they looked at each other. And then they started fiddling with this piano like they got this new life. And then Kiara suggested something great on how to connect the song and, and how the transitions would work. And by that time, everybody was just going, 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 idea, idea, idea. 
and like all of our creative juices were just leaking. They were flowing so hard. And so all it took was that one little moment of inspiration. And I don't know, I might be wrong, but I feel like we finished the song in 15 minutes after that. Seriously, an incredible experience and a metaphorically great way to end the writing process to that show. I grew exponentially in writing Abe a Babe. Abe, Abe a Babe? Abe is a Babe and the finale. Sam, I, I wish you could see how big I was smiling while you were recapping that story. It's, I appreciate your specificity so much. And uh, I, I know um, and I, I really relate to how hard you take it when something doesn't work that's your personal idea. Um, cause I react very similarly sometimes. And one of the things I respect most about you is how you bounce back and to, to hear it so clearly, uh, and how that bounce back helped contribute to some of the most beautiful stuff in the show. I, I, I loved you sharing that memory. Abe is a babe is a jam. And you ended up right where you were supposed to with this show, my friend. Gianna, one of the first things that stands out with our American brothers is how, steeped in real history it is. We had to do a ton of research while writing the show to try and get it to be as historically accurate as we could. And of course, we took our own liberties here and there. But for the most part, a lot of what we did is by the book. And so my question for you is, how do you see musical theater as potentially being a tool to use in the classroom? Can it enhance the experience, or do you think it would make it more difficult for students? How could a show like Our American Brothers be used in the classroom? I think a lot of the times when we're learning about history um, in, in middle school and high school, we fall in this, into this routine of jotting down notes, jotting down some research, memorizing it, and then forgetting it. And I think the reason why we learn history um, is to understand what has repeated and, and where it stems from and allowing that knowledge to influence our actions today. And I think musical theater allows us to gather these facts and analyze these events from a personal point of view and actually step into the shoes of the people who lived it. And I think that is a valuable experience, not only as an artist, but as a human being who is trying to learn and to grow and create a different lens that the world can look through in order to move forward. Thank you for all of that insight, Gianna. I, I agree. I, I think it's so important to give as many different learners as many different ways to learn things as possible. And I know for me, out of a textbook with history was not always my jam. So to have these uh, multidisciplinary ways of, of teaching history, I think it can only improve things. So thank you. Now, Sam. The casting process of uh, a Lovewell show is still one of those things that for people who have never done it before, they, they struggle to comprehend what goes into it. And you had a very unique experience with the casting process of Our American Brother. So can you talk to us a little bit about what it was like taking that journey through this show to find the character you eventually played? Dang, Tyler, you're trying to expose me with this casting process. <laughs> 
I'm actually really surprised that you remembered this because I practically forgot about it until you asked. So, so what happens is when students want to choose characters, we come up with a couple of them and we flesh them out a little bit. And then we go into character groups or try to find people that are similar to us. So in the show context, we would either be workplace associates or family members or just people that you would interact with a lot in the show. And so obviously doing a show uh, centered around the Booth family, you had a whole lot of people go into the Booth family circle. And there are only so many family members in the Booth family. And so what we do is we say who we want to play, what the character would contribute to the story, how we would play them, and how committed we are to playing this character. And so I believe there were upwards to, to 20 people in the Booth family circle for only like seven characters. I might be wrong though. So we all went around and slowly people left because either they had other options or they felt like another character was best for them. And so we keep talking and talking and, and suddenly everyone has settled on a character. Well, that is, except for me and Jacob, who both wanted to be John Wilkes Booth. And it's obvious because he's such a fascinating character. But what's really funny to me is that Jacob and I wanted to play him in polar opposite ways. Jacob wanted to take the historical route, doing the research and playing Booth to be the villain of the story, as he was of the country. I, on the other hand, wanted to take it a different direction, and I wanted to make John an extremely relatable character, so that the audience could see his journey from separating from his family to killing the president, and so the audience could empathize with how he did what he did and, and what actions he took to build up to that moment and, and really kind of see where he was coming from. Because those, those are my favorite kind of villains where you know they're doing something wrong, but you, you kind of you get it. Like, you, you understand why they feel that way. So I wanted to make John look kind of like, like an 1800s Civil War version of Thanos, if you will. So we both were real headstrong, and we wanted the character bad. And so Tyler said to take the weekend and think of any other options we had for characters. Then, Monday rolls along, and Tyler asks us if any of us want to drop out, and <laughs> there's just dead silence. <laughs> so he says we're going to take it to a coin toss, because, I mean, ball don't lie, you know? <laughs> so I call tails, and the coin flips heads. And so no bad blood, Jacob gets the role, and I get my backup character of Jay, John's best friend. And Tyler... Seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I am so happy I did not call heads because I had such a unique and amazing experience that it, it just wouldn't be the same if I was John. And I'm so happy with the way that Jacob portrayed this character. I don't think it should have been any other way seeing the final product. I'm so happy things turned out the way that they did. I'm also so happy that I know I didn't take his part because I had no idea he was a senior and there was no way that I was willingly going to let his dream role just, just go to this, this random kid. Like, I feel so bad. And so moral of the story is that things, they happen the way that they're supposed to. And if you go into a level day with a positive attitude, or really any day, you, you will have a great day. And you will contribute to the show in a positive way. It all came down to the toss of a coin. It does not get more exciting than that. And for the record, I really appreciate how both of you are referring to me as Tyler, as if I'm not the person who's interviewing both of you. I should make things more clear in my emails. Gianna, now, wrap this up for us a little bit. 
looking back at your Lovewell experience, what are those lessons that you learned as a Lovewell light that you still use in your everyday life? The lessons that I've learned at Lovewell that I take with me uh, derive from the affirmations uh, that we repeat um, daily throughout the process. Um, And I think from the first one of within me there's boundless creative power, I think that I have to remind myself a lot of that um, throughout my time here at school uh, because I think we forget how much information we can process, how much we can receive, and how much our mind combined with our heart is such a powerful tool um, to make change. Um, And that's something that I I really learned at Level and I continuously apply to my my daily practice here um, in New York. Another really important lesson that I learned um, is to not get too ahead of myself and to trust that who I am at this moment and who I am today um, and the voice that I have today is worthy and deserves to be heard. Um, and also that the voices around me deserve to be heard. Um, and the combination of all of these voices um, is what are like all these different little puzzle pieces that together create a picture. Um, and that is also something that I, I remind myself daily. Um, and I think I also just learned at Lovewell that it's really good to remind yourself of things daily Um, because it's easy to get swept in the hecticness and um, just being just drowning in in work and then trying to do all these things and just remembering um, the love that you have around you and the love that's within yourself and remembering to lead with that. Um, I don't think without learning that lesson through Love Well, I don't think I would have been able to carry myself the way that I do today. Sam, same question. I would not be nearly the same person if I did not attend Lovewell. This creative collaboration is one of the most important lessons that was taught to me. Before Lovewell, I only wrote songs by myself, and I'm a very, very picky person, and I'm very particular when it comes to writing. And so pitching your ideas to a group was very difficult to me initially, but Lovewell has helped me out a lot with that, and it's given me patience to think of many different alternative scenarios so that we can combine ideas and collaborate to find the best one. I'm still struggling with that a little bit, but every day I'm working on it, and I'm working on it, um, because collaboration seriously is so important, and it's, it's integral to the art world. Another message that Lovewell has helped me utilize in my daily life is the importance of positivity. One of the reasons that the level process works is because everybody thinks it will. There is absolutely no way that a show could go from non-existent to stage production in only three weeks if nobody believed in it. It works because every single morning, students and staff alike come in focused, positive, and ready to work to achieve this monster goal. I believe it was the great Jimmy McElroy in Blades of Glory that said, If you can dream it, you can do it. (laughs) <laughs> it's a goofy quote, but it's it's also a little bit true. Is there anything else you two would like to share before we get to the show? Uh, last thing I want to say is for 
the Lovewell family that is listening, I just want to say that I love you all and I hope we're all doing so well. For those of you who are listening that have never done Lovewell, um, you better sign up right now because um, it will change your life in the best way. I will be forever biased when someone asks me what my favorite Lovewell show is because of how much this process changed me for the better. One of the hardest things that I've done in my life, uh, definitely, and what an incredible payoff. The staff were all amazing, and the life tips that they've given me, they've shaped me. They've shaped the person that I am today. And so I'm I'm eternally grateful. Also, I feel like the cast of this show was like an all-star season of a game show. Like, so talented, every single person. I just felt like I was constantly surrounded by celebrities with all of the great minds. So many great memories. Just so many amazing things that I think about when I think of Brothers. From the time that Nathan and I wrote the song Unbearable Bears based off of Dory's dream, it was the strangest thing. To, to our stress-relieving hacky sack and spyfall sessions, to all the little moments of frustration that ultimately produced something beautiful. Our American brothers, thank you and I love you. Thank you both so much for joining us on Listen Well. Thank you so much, guys, for letting me do this with you. It's truly an honor sharing the stage with you and Gianna. You are amazing. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. Um, I miss you lots. I hope you're doing so well. And make sure you go to Lovewell Songbook happening in the beginning of January, January 5th. Woo! Huge thanks to Gianna and Sam. Loved having you. Oh, the show is about to begin. All right, now, please, no talking during the show. Unwrap any hard candies now and take as many pictures as you'd like because the actors are at places and the curtain is rising for Our American Brothers, a new musical.
afternoon, Richard. I'm Charlotte Lewis, or as you may have known me, C. Lewis. C. Lewis. You're C. Lewis. Pardon me, ma'am. I hadn't expected to meet a... A woman? Well, no, not particularly. Well, Richard, why don't you have a seat? And I think you'll find that I am perfectly capable of completing this interview, as well as if not better than any of my male companions at Harper's Weekly. I am the one who's been in correspondence with you for the past few months. Thank you for meeting with me. Now, let's get started. What has been your initial reaction to the victory of the Union Army? Honestly, all I can feel at this point is relief. It got to the point where, frankly, I didn't care who won or who lost. I just wanted peace between the states. This war pitted brother against brother, something I experienced personally. Was your brother a Confederate? Let's just say I share different viewpoints from my brother. I understand. To move on, what was your experience on the battlefield? I watched my country try to tear itself apart. I lost friends, comrades, and brothers-in-arms on both sides. God willing, we'll never have to face this again. To what extent did you fight for the Union Army? I served my country for three years. Mm. Uh, did you fight for what you believed in? I fought for what was right. And what was that exactly? The equality of all men. So, now that General Lee has officially surrendered, do you think we'll ever be able to unite as a country once again? The states not only can, but must reunite if we'd like a chance at a prosperous future. But this is only if those graybacks are willing to return. Might I ask what you plan to do with your life following the war? Of course. I plan to live out the rest of my days peacefully in my home in Maryland with my lovely wife, Sarah. Wonderful. I wish you the very best, Richard. Thank you for meeting with me. Before we part, do you mind if I capture a still image of you for the newspaper? A still image of me? Of course. Wonderful. The tintype is in the hackney. To my fellow countrymen, at the second appearing to take the oath of the presidential office, there is less occasion for an extended address than there was at the first. Now at the expiration of four years, during which public declarations have been constantly called forth on every point and phrase of the great contest, which still absorbs the attention and engrosses the energies of the nation, little that is new could be presented. The progress of our arms, upon which all else chiefly depends, is as well known to the public as to myself, and it is, I trust, reasonably satisfactory and encouraging to all. With high hope for the future, no prediction in regard to it is ventured. Thank you all for another great night. The show was a success. We're so lucky to have such a wonderful casting crew. Laura, your performance was absolutely stunning. Mwah, perfection. And I would like to say... <laughs> Wait, I wasn't done. <laughs> and I would like to say thank you to our wonderful director. Cheers to the delightful reviews we've been getting. But most importantly, cheers to the end of the war! <laughs> um, Harpa. Uh, I think I need at least a thousand more pins in my wig. It kept falling off during my most important moment. <laughs> Trust me, none of your moments are important. <laughs>
Ha, very funny. You'll see. Just wait till the next show. I'm a guarantee for leading lady. Oh, really? I heard that uh, Mary McVicker over there has planned to get it. Are you serious? That's not fair, just because she's married to Edwin. Excuse me, uh, you know, if we can get some more chairs, I think we might have some more guests arriving. Of course. By the way, you look great as... Shrub number two. Bush number five and proud. Everyone, can I have your attention? <laughs> How is everyone tonight? We're great, Mr. Ford. Splendid. I just wanted to bring attention to the wonderful reviews about Miss Laura Keene. You were amazing. <laughs> great. I've practically already written my review. But we haven't even seen it yet. A British farce that makes fun of Americans? I know, I'm going to hate it. That hardly makes us dignified critics. Is there even such a thing as a dignified critic? <laughs> <laughs> we're not only critics, we're theater critics. That's the lowest art form on the planet. I'd much rather look at your daughter's finger paintings than read another review written by one of our colleagues. My daughter, Hillary, is an incredible finger painter. <laughs> I can see the headline now. Our American cousins? More like our American idiots. And when the breeze brushes and blushes my cheeks and the soil becomes mother to a field full of flowers, I know with every ounce of certainty that it's spring. Oh, beautiful Asia. May we see a garden grow from the seeds sown in war to new beginnings. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The soldiers aren't even home yet. But they're coming home to their families and to new lives. To a nation united, hopefully in peace. Wow, another one of your theater parties. I'm so excited. Come on, Jay, parties like these don't happen all the time. Have a drink. Relax. Oh, look at that, the whole family. Um, Mary, can I speak to you? <laughs> Junius, you were brilliant in the show. Thank you. Coming from the master of theatrics. That means rock. <laughs> the master. Thanks for calling me that. Well, you know what I always say? What does father always say? Go to your room! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other thing. Oh, there are no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you? I shouldn't be here. What, too many yanks for you? Grab a beer. I'm fine. Mm. How's that uh, lady of yours? Which one? <laughs> she had a prior engagement. John, um, I was just saying how happy we are to have your brother on board to play Hamlet. He's such a fantastic actor. Anyways, um, Jay, come with me. Congratulations on your role, brother. John. Been a long time. Brutus and Julius Caesar, Hamlet and Hamlet, you're building up quite the repertoire. A blind man could see you should have been cast as Brutus. And a deaf man could have heard the laughter you shared at my expense. John and Edwin, like two sides of the same coin. Practically at each other's throats. But don't you remember how they loved playing together when they were children? By the time I was old enough to know what was going on, distance had already set in. Did you get a chance to go to New York? To the Winter Garden? No, I was actually touring in the South. Ah, glad you made it back in one piece. You've never given any care to my career, Edwin. 
No need to feign interest now. Oh, listen, I can speak to Ford, and he'd be glad to fit you in the show. You'd make a great Fortinbra or one of the gravediggers. I'll be playing Claudius. Though I would count my blessings and never have to, have to perform for this crowd again, Ford practically begged me, and so I accepted. I'll see you at rehearsal, brother. in a fuss he's so disconnected from us he's a hard man to find gone for weeks at a time what's going on in his mind what's this really about why did he have to go Forget about John, so the show can go on. The country's united and the night is young. No reason to fall, cause we got it all. When the drinks have been drunk and the songs have been sung. We'll forget about John. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. Why would we abandon our brother at a time like this? Shouldn't we be reaching for common ground? But he's being so difficult. To quote our noble president, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You're right. I think it might take some time, but we can help John see that things are looking up for all of us. Four score and nine years ago, we promised each other as sisters and brothers to unite as one whole nation. What are we if we can't lift our brothers off the ground? But a stop to the division, we're together to envision a song we sing cohesive in one sound. And they'll come around. Don't forget about John, our word is our bond. The country's united and the night is young. No reason to fall, cause we've got it all. So don't cut and run when it's all said and done. We won't forget about John. Oh, oh, oh.
this I hate photographs. <laughs> Honey, we're the first family and the Union has just won the war. It's important for the people to see us. Almost ready. But where's Dad? He's traveling. Your father is a very busy man. But why? <laughs> because we just won the war. Bellyache. Robert, please be nice to your brother. All right, I'm about to take the picture. Jim, if you wouldn't mind being so kind as stepping out of the photograph, please. Why? Because you are my son's friend and I have serious trouble tolerating you. Whoa! Shots fired! I thought the war was over. Jim! Alright, whatever you do, don't move. Don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move. <laughs> Thank you so much, sweet assistant. I'll begin work on developing the prints, and I should have everything to you by the end of the month. Wow, that's really fast. Oh, yes, Caesar, you may retire for the evening. But if you wouldn't mind being so kind and stopping by my husband's office, he said something about signing some important papers. Yes, of course. Good night. Ma'am. Lucy! Oh, hello, Tab! It's so good to see you! I've missed you so much! We all have. Hello, Lucy. Have you received any word from your father yet? Will he be able to join us at the theater Friday night? I did receive word from him. He is well, but he will not be able to join us. I heard the reviews of the play have been quite good. Oh, it's someone's bedtime! Yes, go to bed, Robert. <laughs> I was talking about you, Tad. I'm not tired. How about I read you a story first, like when you were little? That's fine by me, but then straight to bed. What would you like to hear? The Pied Piper. A story about a villain is no bedtime story. Pied Piper's not a villain. He absolutely is. He lures children away from the village. Only after he's refused payment for his services. I guess it depends on how you look at it. That's usually the case with the villains. There once was a piper That's a guy with the flute <laughs> Dressed up in colorful clothes Green as the grass with a hint of a rose High from his head <laughs> It's like a rainbow It's not that simple. A story looks different to each person's eyes. 
different through each person's eyes. A villain's defeat is a hero's demise. What's wrong may be right, as long as it's justified. It's mine to decide.
On the occasion corresponding to this four years ago, all thoughts were anxiously directed to an impending civil war. All dreaded it, all sought to avert it. While the inaugural address was being delivered from this place, devoted altogether to saving the Union without war, insurgent agents were in the city seeking to destroy it without war, seeking to dissolve the Union and divide effects by negotiation. Both parties depreciated war, but one of them would make war rather than let the nation survive, and the other would accept war rather than let it perish. very good at what she does. No one is saying she's not talented. What Amelia's trying to say, and I agree with her, is that we're tired of playing second fiddle. Look, quit your belly aching. You're just jealous because you're playing the bush. <laughs> now, now, if you want to complain about something, how about doing two shows at once? We have got six performances during the day, and then we're rehearsing Hamlet on top of that. If you ask me, our director's lost it. Hello? Your director's right here. I'm sorry, I'm so tardy. I stayed to speak with Mr. Ford and I was mobbed by a joint fan. Oh, good. Edwin's not here. Edwin, not in the bar. There is a first time for everything. Nice. You know, I worked with Edwin's father once. There's an actor. His brother John isn't half that either. Junius. Well, Junius has got some work to do. How can you even compare Edwin and his father's acting styles? That's like. Comparing night to day. Do it in entirely. Say what you will about Edwin, he shall love the union. As good as it is at the war over, it's going to be bad for business. People go to the theater to escape their lives. We're going to need another tragedy if we have a chance of selling tickets for him. <laughs> you want to tell that to them? Look, you can still see it in their eyes. What about you, stranger? What's your story? Same as everyone else, Just trying to make a living. What about you, man? Were you part of again? I just spent the last four years in the war, buddy. That's the last thing I want to talk about. Nothing wrong with that. 
and more than most, soldier. You're welcome to sit at our table anytime. Thank you. How you been, Boston? How have you been doing since you left the fight? Hey, it's been good. Business is fine. I'm just glad to be able to bend an elbow with a fellow soldier. <laughs> You're a hard case, old pal. Thank you, Rich. Yes. What about you? How's it been since you've last seen the elephant? Well, after you were discharged, we faced some of the toughest and most violent battles of the war. Actually, I was interviewed about it just the other day. I had been sent home. I might have seen a light on a dark day. <laughs> glory, glory, hallelujah to that. You know, I'm just so happy to be back, though. Reuniting with Sarah was like seeing her again for the first time. The color of her hair, the twinkle in her eyes, everything about her just made the sun shine brighter. Good for you, Rich. You thought about starting a family at all? Richie Jr., perhaps? <laughs> well, me and Sarah talk about it all the time. I mean, this just, this just couldn't be better, pal. She's very passionate about raising a child. She's already begun knitting these tiny clothes. My wife did the same thing. Boston, you had a boy and you didn't tell me? A girl, Rich. <laughs> What's her name? No name. <laughs> what, did you forget to name her or something? Didn't live long enough to take it. Oh, God, Boston. I am, I am so absolutely sorry. How is, how is Elizabeth faring with all of this? She got to hold her for a moment before she went to. <sighs> Dear Lord in heaven, she's... The losses of this battle extend beyond the battlefield, my friend. Look, if there's anything you ever need, me and Sarah... Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Really do. These are from those ladies over there. <laughs> I would like to propose a toast to the soldiers that fought and got us. This great victory. <laughs> I know you have done and seen terrible things, but tonight, all of us here raise our glass to you. To you! Woo! And I hope I'm not speaking out of turn when I say the foreign theater troupe would love to invite you to my closing performance as Florence Trencher in our semantic play this Friday night at the foreign theater. Oh, that's, uh, that's awfully kind of you, but we wouldn't want to be an inconvenience. Never even been to the theater before. Yeah. It's not inconvenience. A dose of theater a day keeps the doctor away, after all. <laughs> now I know we've all seen troubles, and I know we've all felt pain, mm. but the sun always shines after the rain. Woo! But there's a building down 10th Street, where a special thing takes place That shortless smile on your face <laughs> Escape into the world that we create There's nothing in this town
It's me, Lucy. Lucy, how'd you know to find me here? I had a feeling. I didn't think I'd see you till morning. I couldn't wait. So, how was the party? Full of dimwits. Oh, come on. It couldn't have been that bad. There was a certain lack of intelligence and class you could have provided. <laughs> I take it your meeting ran longer than expected? Oh, the sanitation committee has so much to discuss. You know, there's so much us women have to do to help in the aftermath of... Well, anyway, then I ran into Mary and we had tea in the china room. Oh, and I read Tad a bedtime story. You seem to enjoy your time over there. John, I know you're not the biggest fan of the first family, but personally, I think they're doing good work. Good work? By dismantling the entire economy of the South? A small price to pay for the equality of men? Lucy, the truth is men are not equal. Some men are rich, some are poor, some are smart, some are dumb. Some are meant to work the fields, and some are meant to profit. Some men are forgotten, and some go down in history. I love you, but there's this part of you I don't understand. Why must you feel superior to everyone around you? Because I am. <laughs> Even superior to me. Of course not. Forty thousand brothers cannot, with all the quantity of their love, make up my sum. You are the stars in my night sky. Let's go home. One-eighth of the whole population were slaves, not distributed generally over the Union, but localized in the southern part of it. These slaves constituted a peculiar and powerful interest. All knew that this interest was somehow the cause of the war. Neither party expected for the war the magnitude or the duration which it has already attained, and a result less fundamental and astounding. Both read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. The prayers of both could not be answered. For meeting with me, Dr. Mudd, your accomplishments in the medical field are unmatched. Tell me, what was your experience being on the front lines of war? It's not easy out there. Even years of practice cannot prepare you for the horrors I've witnessed. We kept running out of supplies, but one cannot stall in times like these. We had to keep trudging forward, hoping that the lives we saved outnumbered the ones we've lost. Did those losses, did they manifest in anger? the enemy? Both sides suffered. Dr. Mudd, if I'm not mistaken, you come from a well-respected Southern family. My family is irrelevant. All men are equal on the battlefield. Violence is violence. Pardon me, are you implying that there's no integrity in war? 
if I may speak candidly, yes. All these politicians act as if they're playing chess, but they don't realize they are sacrificing real human lives. When it got to the end of the war, it was no longer North and South. It was just pain. I'm wondering when the men will realize to stop fighting one another. It's an honor to record your words, Dr. Mudd. Thank you for speaking with me. voice behind the continued belief that all men are created equal. The president? Targeting the presidents? That's incredibly risky. We can't know when he'll be anywhere. No, it's not. Are you psychic now? It has been brought to my attention that the president and his family will be attending Miss Laura Keene's final performance of Our American Cousin this Friday at the Ford Theater. Tomorrow night? Yes. That changes everything. I know. So, what do we do? Get not the 
Almighty has his own purposes. If we shall suppose that American slavery in the providence of God must needs come by which he now wills to remove, and that he gives to both North and South this terrible war as the woe due to those by whom the offense came, fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsmen 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword. Mr. Piazza. Please call me Frederick. All right, Frederick. I've been over DC interviewing a variety of individuals who have been affected by the war. Yes, I saw your ad in the last edition of Harper's Weekly. Thank you for answering. I've interviewed a few soldiers, but not nearly enough. It's always best to cast a wide net concerning these types of things. Let's start with you telling me how the war has affected you. Well, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying this, but I've lost a lot. I'm not thankful for much but I am thankful that the worst is finally over. Well, now that the Americans are returning home, what will you be doing? The future is uncertain for so many of us. I had a farm once, but that's all gone now. There aren't many farms in this region. Where were you a farmer? <sighs> if I told you, I'm worried you might run for the hills. Perhaps I'll surprise you. My farm was in South Carolina. S South Carolina? Does that mean you... Fought for the Confederate side? Yes. I would be lying if I said I wasn't surprised. I haven't interviewed many soldiers that fought for the South. What are you doing here? There's nothing for me back home. No family? 
Not anymore. Do you care to elaborate? No. So is the Emancipation Proclamation the reason you don't have a family anymore? No more slaves to work the land? No. We, we never owned any slaves. It was my father, my brothers, and I who worked the farm. Where are they now? Dead. They're all dead. I couldn't keep the farm on my own. I didn't join for political reasons. I just joined because people were killing my brothers. But by joining for whatever reason, isn't that giving strength to their ideals? Absolutely. And I have to live with that for the rest of my life. I fought for a side that believed in the cruelest policies in the history of mankind. But at the time, I just cared what I was fighting for. I just wanted to fight. But that's a terrifying reason to do something. What would you do in my position? I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to have to make that choice. Listen, I'm not asking for forgiveness. I don't deserve it. None of us do. But I am asking for a new beginning. I think that's something we'd all like. Thank you for taking the time to listen today, Miss Lewis. It's not always easy listening to something you don't want to hear. It's my job to get both sides of the story. Now let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Much better. Now, do you mind if I get a few more questions on the record this time? Of course, of course. But let me first say that I pee very badly. <laughs> I'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> By no drift of circumstance, get from him why he puts on this confusion. Greeting so harshly all his days of quiet with turbulent and dangerous lunacy. He does confess he feels himself distracted, but from what cause he'll by no means speak. Nor do we find him forward to be sounded, but with a crafty madness keeps aloof. I'm sorry, where does he keep his loofah? <laughs> oh, no. It's aloof. <laughs> Hamlet's cousin. <laughs> stop, stop! <laughs> Edwin, can you help them with this? Of course. <laughs> so, in this scene you are both concerned about your friend Hamlet, right? Yeah, okay, sure. Hamlet's been acting distant. He's, he's closed off, he's antagonistic. You're not quite sure what's running through his mind. All you know is that something is wrong. What's the next line? Keeps aloof when you would bring him onto some confession to his true state. Exactly. So yes. even if you try to understand his antipathy, he remains unforthcoming. All right, let's start from the top. <laughs> <laughs> and can you, by no drift of circumstance, get from him why he puts on this confusion? Reading so harshly so harsh all his days of quiet, with turbulent and dangerous lunacy? Job! Honey, we're rehearsing. No. <laughs> Edwina. Where have you been? Doesn't matter. I've been in Hamlet many times. I could do it in my sleep. Really? You got Sleeper Clark to understudy for me? Have you no dignity? Let's continue. <laughs> 
Let's skip ahead. I shall obey you. And for your part, Ophelia, I do wish that your good beauties be the happy cause of Hamlet's wildness. So shall I hope your virtues will bring him to his wanton way again. To both your honors. Madame, I wish it may. It's not more ugly to the thing that helps it than it is my deed to my most painted word, O heavy burden. I hear him coming. Let's withdraw. <laughs> my lord. <laughs> to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take up arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them. To die. The line is to die, Edwin, to sleep. You know what, everyone? Let, let's take five. <laughs> To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take up arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing an... To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take up arms against a sea Here I am with the master, losing grip on his lines. The hundred night helm. Edwin, what do you stand for? Your voice may be loud. With another man's words. I'm leaving your shadow. Taking your light, our name will be mine. I'll be rid of the ghost of you. And the rest is silence.
with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. We're already half an hour late. What's wrong? Are you all right? I think something's wrong. I I don't know what to do. What do you mean? What's this about? It's about John. Oh. No, I... It's not about John. It's about you. I'm afraid he might try to hurt you. Why would he want to hurt me? You said yourself. We're just friends. The point is I care about you. And he's been so unpredictable lately. I just don't you understand. Dare. I'm the president's son. Well, you don't know him like I do. Whether I know him or not, my father always taught me to trust the good in people. Lucy, where's John? I need to find him. Uh, I don't know. The last time I saw him, he was at the theater. I'm sorry. Who are you? Jay Clark. Uh, I'm Robert. I know who you are, Lucy. That's John. Have you seen what's inside? No. We have to go now. Whoa! I didn't know it was winter out here. 
you know, we love to see me inside. I'm awfully keen of that Laura Keen. <laughs> Not in a million years. Alright, it's all hunky-dory here. Have a drink on me. I'll have the kidney backstage. I work here. I'm not one to turn on a drink. It's not my responsibility if he plays something. Hands in me pockets, hands in me pockets. Come 
explain this? Evening, Lucy. You look lovely. John, what is this? My diary. Are you here to see the, see the show? What you've written scares me. This isn't you, John. You have nothing to worry about. I love you. John! John, please. I won't. I promise. Nymph, thy orisons be all my sins remem remembered. We hope you enjoyed Act 1 of Our American Brothers. For tonight's brief intermission, we'd like to remind you of some of the exciting things happening in the Lovewell community. First off, an enormous round of applause for everyone who participated in our Spread the Lovewell fundraising campaign. Our 2019 Lovewell Producer Circle is going to be out of this world. And if you did not get a chance to donate, we will be extending the fundraiser through the end of the year. We cannot wait to share in all of the future theater making with each and every one of you. Speaking of all of our future theater making, registration is now open for our 2019 season of workshops around the globe. It has never been easier to book your spot on next summer's musical theater writing adventure. Apply now, secure your space, and set your creativity free. Scholarship applications will be available in January, and you can apply on www.lovewell.org apply. The 10th Annual Lovewell Alumni Songbook Concert is Saturday, January 5th, 2019 at Nova Southeastern University. Current students and alumni can still sign up to participate at any time. If you're having trouble figuring out how to sign up, just shoot us an email at lovewellinstitute at gmail.com. Additionally, tickets are available to the show and the after party via Ticket Leap or on our Facebook event page. Be sure to keep an eye out for even more exciting information about this wonderful event in the very near future.
As always, we'll be posting new episodes of Listen Well, a Love Well podcast on the first Thursday of every month. So be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, we are also available on iTunes, where you can leave a rating and a review as well. If you like this show, let us know. Ooh, the lights just flickered. It's time to get back to the show. Enjoy Act Two of Our American Brothers. February 12, 1809. Born as the sun began to rise. A new light found in his eyes as the newborn baby cries on a winter wind in Kentucky. Now you're looking out your window, summer of 22. Working hard to teach yourself everything you knew. While the children played outside, you had bigger things to do in your warm log cabin in Indiana. Your legacy lives on. Stamped in copper, carved in stone. Oh, honest Abe, you're gazing from your throne. Look at the country you've grown. <coughs> November 6th. 1860, America was changing with the leaves. You were not a man of God, but you saw that you would be a man devoted to his country. And from that day on, history was made in the laws you passed and the courage you displayed. And good old Abe, we won't forget your name. The dead shall not have died in vain. The legacy will live on. Stamped in copper, carved in stone. I want to save your gazing from your throne. Look at the country you've grown. You taught us to move forward Never backwards You taught us to move forward
you doing? What do you want with me? I didn't have any part in this! I'm not gonna hurt you. Just have to ask you a couple questions. This is outrageous! Why are you taking me? Your brother just shot the president, sir. We need information from you. I have no information! I had no idea he was gonna do this! I don't know what else you want from me! Just calm down. We need to find John Wilkes Booth. How did he even get close enough to shoot the president? Where was his bodyguard? Those are the questions we're trying to answer. It appears he was shot from behind. I need to make sure my family is safe. Can you please release me? Are you even an officer? I am Abraham Lincoln's personal bodyguard. It is my job to protect the first family. Wait, you're the bodyguard? How did Booth get past you? <laughs> I stepped out for a moment. It doesn't matter now. Now, listen. The cooperation is important. Do either of you know why John might have done this? I knew something was wrong with my brother, but I never suspected it would go this far. I had heard that he was a Confederate sympathizer, but I didn't think much of it. I'd known him for so long. He was an actor at my theater. It seemed only normal when he was walking around all day. Do you know where he's heading? He spent a lot of time with Lucy Hale. Maybe you should ask her. I'm going to talk to the Lincolns. I'm coming with you. Choice, you decided to 
take it down south. Because if they catch you, you're going to wish you were the one with the bullet in your head. Do it, Mud. I would love to say that this wouldn't hurt, but that would be a lie. not knowing if he was going to make it. Jim, where's Robert? He's in his office. I still can't believe it. Nine hours. Huh, oh, he said, keep your head up, son. Whatever you are, be a good
The mixture rank of midnight weeds collected, with the cates band thrice blasted, thrice infected, thy natural magic and dire property, on wholesome life usurp immediately. The king rises. Edwin, uh, that's my job. I'm Claudius now. What are you doing? I can't. Dad? Daddy? Daddy? Edwina! Well, everyone just take five, I guess. Can't do Hamlet without Hamlet. I can't believe this happened. I still can't believe this happened. We've all been through a traumatic experience. The president is dead. Johnson was just sworn into office. Call me crazy, but I don't exactly want to be doing the tragedy of Hamlet right now. This isn't even assuming people want to set foot in this theater again. Do we even know when Ford's getting out of jail? We saw him every day. John made himself welcome here. Edwin could never come back and that'd be fine with me. Anyone with the Booth name is dead to me. The name Booth used to sell tickets. Now people hear Booth and they want blood. And he had the nerve to come backstage to ask what line would get the most laugh. What line would give him the biggest cover. Well, I mean, maybe we could have done something. I mean, we all talked about how strange John was acting. But which one of us went up to him and tried to help? This is our fault. We should have seen it coming. We have no show. We have no audience. All we have is a theater with a bad name. Maybe Ford's acting chip should pack it in and go home. Maybe people don't want to see Hamlet right now. Maybe it's too soon for all of us. No. I, I, I can't accept that. I'm not on stage, and I'm heartbroken too, but I see the impact you have on people. They love the art that you make. You can't do this to them right now. You can't. You don't even understand. You weren't on stage when it happened. Well, I was. Miss Keene? It's been days. We've been worried. <coughs> it's good to see you. Are you alright? I'm the one who held the president's body. I'm the reason he was there that night. I spent the last five days in mourning, and believe me, I thought about taking my belongings, going home, and never stepping foot on stage again. He spent his last day here, in this theater, with us. That means what we do matters. I'm not going to live in fear. We can't let the actions of one man with a gun dictate how we live our lives. That's how he wins. The show must go on. Not just for us, but for everyone.
could have done something. Even I could have done something. so much hurt, we can't even begin to imagine how much hurt you must be feeling. Which is why we want to find the man responsible and bring him to justice. Sir, I've served under the Union Army for three years. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to find John Wilkes Booth. We played our loyalty. Oh, well looky here. The Boy Scouts have arrived. <laughs> These brave men have offered their assistance in the investigation of Booth. Well, I believe that's a very honorable thing to do. Why haven't you started your hunt? We need your resources. You have the means to help us. We would like to set off with your approval and your blessings. You have my blessing. But you must bring him back alive. We don't need more violence. But what if he strikes first? 
If he runs, we will chase. Make him face his maker. If he brings guns, we'll bring guns. The path to his redemption is facing his transgressions. His men reap what they sow. I'll deal the final blow. Cause I'm worthy. our sins, God will be loyal and just. Sins? I haven't sinned. I'm not accusing you directly, ma'am, but being of the more vulnerable sex, aren't you afraid of your brother's influence on you? Why would being a woman influence my ability to escape my brother's violence? I am not him. Though we share the same last name, I have a world all my own I intend to express through my writing. Your husband, Edwin, did he have any part to play in the assassination? Edwin and John are like fire and ice. They barely spoke to each other, even before everything happened. This tragedy must seem near impossible to overcome. Do you think you and your family will ever be able to move on? Of course we will move on. My family will not be defined by this selfish act of violence. We are defined by our courage, 
by our love and our art. We are not John, and I am not John. Take one look at me, what do you see? Someone of less ability. The declaration states that all men are free. But what about me? You only see me when I stumble and fall. Toss me around like I'm a tattered rag doll. Try to tear me down and make me feel small, but now I'm standing tall. Now that I've got your attention, I thought that I should mention where it is that I'm coming from. Not just a mother, not just a wife. I am the master of my own life. I have power and I have the right. 
here! Join the club. We're not the ones who committed the crime. Edmund? Is that you? Who else did they take? Why are you here? No. I can't be. You were a part of our family at the theater, Edmund Gordon. Oh, don't look down on us. We did what we had to do. It's not our fault John decided to go rogue. You are all monsters. What have you ever done for your country? What did I do for my country? I opened a theater where people felt safe. I brought joy to a harsh world. I created a family. Edmund, you were part of that family. And I, I most certainly did not shoot the president in an act of childish rage. We're not the ones that pulled the trigger. John did. He doomed us all.
Go find your mother, Edwina. Go find your mother, Edwina. Did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Where's Uncle John? Where's Uncle John? You shouldn't be here, you shouldn't. Edwina. Is he ever going to come back? Is he ever going to come back? Did Uncle John do something wrong? Did Uncle John do something wrong? Edwina! Edwina! She deserves to know the truth, Edwin. She deserves to know the truth, Edwin. Jay. Jay, what happened? What happened? You didn't do anything wrong, sweetheart. You didn't do anything wrong, sweetheart. <sighs> Uncle John and Daddy were Uncle John and Daddy very different people. Very different people. They had different views on how things should be. Different views on how things should be. should be run. And how the country should be run. Uncle John did Uncle John a very did bad thing. A very we bad may not thing. see him for a really long and time. We may not see him for a really long time. And your father might feel responsible for the actions. Your father might feel John. responsible for the actions don't worry. of Uncle John. Yes, don't worry. He has nothing to do with it. He is an honest man. He is an He's honest a good man. man. He's a good man. And he loves you very much. And he loves you very much. Mm, okay. That makes sense, I guess. That makes sense, I guess. Why don't you go give him a hug? Why don't you go Why? give him a hug? Because he needs one. Why? Because he needs one. To rehearsal, all right? Let's get back to rehearsal. Edwin, your family Edwin, is counting. Your family is counting. You have a life to return to. You have a life to return to. You didn't force his hand. You didn't force his you hand. You couldn't have stopped him even if you had known. You couldn't have stopped him even if you had known. I knew. And believe I me, I tried. And believe me, I tried. You didn't try. You harder. didn't try harder. He's going. 
Luca was in the right place at the right time for once. Come on, we need to go into town and tell the authorities. What light does paint the stars in twilight skies when darkness covers all there is to see? A spark of hope ignites inside the void, choked by the hand of my own blood. Am I the one to force my brother's hand? This man who speaks the words of other men. I, a little more than kin and less than kind. There is no face behind this master's mask. Your final role portrayed in powder smoke, yet as it clears, no mask obscures your face. John, do you see your face? You paint with blood, spilt from a man who fought for men like you. Your actions stretch beyond the days you'll live and splinter new foundations beneath our feet. Tell me what I must do, my dear brother. Where lies forgiveness in this broken world? But from the mouth of the very man you slew. Divided we will fall to chaos true. I must find love for a man I once knew. A man bleeds red. Not Gray or blue. Edwin? Eva. Pardon me, I was lost in my thoughts. I did not mean to intrude, but Curtin is in 45 minutes. I was told you'd be here. Will you be joining us on stage for opening, or will I need your understudy to go on? Yes. I will go on tonight. I think I need it. I'm relieved to hear you say that. I'm not certain your understudy knows any of your lines. <laughs> it is a difficult play. 
one you do an excellent job with. The show must always go on, you know? I do now. Thank you. Shall we? We shall. still hang on you. Well, not so, my lord. I am too much in the sun. Good Hamlet, cast thy knighted color off, and let thine eye look like a friend on Denmark. Do not forever with thy veiled lid seek for thy noble father in the dust. Thou knowest tis common. All that lives must die, passing through nature to eternity. I, madame, it is common. They're coming for you, John. Our only choice is to turn ourselves in. Oh, God, is this what you wanted? I can see their torchlight through the windows. I told you it was useless. Useless?
show you mercy. Why should I trust you? What other choice do you have? Lower your weapons. All of you. As a citizen of this country, I demand a fair trial, no matter the sin. All who sin apart from the law will also be judged apart from the law. If you strike me down, this curse of Cain will only pass on to you. What is worse, to sin myself or strike the sinner down? His time is up, his fate is sealed. I'll show him mercy, 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 mercy. I'll give him mercy, 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 mercy. <laughs> Useless. If thou didst ever hold me in thy heart, absent thee from felicity a while, and in this harsh world, draw thy breath in pain to tell my story. Oh, I die, Horatio. So tell him with the occurrence more and less which hath solicited the rest silence. Perfect, Robert. 
our suffering becomes a part of us. It's how we use that suffering to better understand our joy. I want to believe there are good people in the world. There are. You are. Through all the interviews I conducted, I found a common thread, which is that violence makes no sense. It's a primal instinct to think that war will lead to peace. People think that Aggression will win where words will fail, but they are wrong. Abraham Lincoln's death was tragic, but he was one man. We must think of the millions of men and women that have died in war and in slavery. It's through the voices, not of one, but of many, that we find the solutions to the problems that society faces. We need to learn to listen. But who do we listen to? There are so many voices we encounter. There are politicians telling us to fear and distrust each other. How do we really connect? People need to talk. Change comes from the difficult conversations. Art can't just be a distraction. It needs to make you reflect and think about your own lives. After a month-long run at the Ford Theater, Hamlet closed to mixed reviews. Some people were disturbed by the themes that seemed to reflect the pain of current events. Others hailed the troops' bravery and willingness to look ahead. I decided to name my piece The Better Angels of Our Nature. I pulled it from a direct quote by Lincoln himself. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passions may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched by, as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature.
Thank you all for joining us for tonight's episode of Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast. Special thanks once again to Gianna and Sam for joining us at Lovewell HQ for their great interview. Be sure to subscribe and we will see you next month for another Lovewell Rewind. Until then, this is Tyler Grimes reminding you to listen well, create well, love well. Good night. Oh, <laughs>